Well, good morning, church, and welcome again. I'm uh, pleased to be sharing the Word of God with you again this morning. Uh, I felt in my spirit this morning to start out by declaring a blessing over our lives. Since we've been talking about joy over the, couple, couple, over the past couple of weeks, and we'll be talking about joy over the coming few weeks, so I felt in my spirit this morning to declare a blessing over our lives. So wherever you are tuning in from, wherever you're sitting, just lift up your hands and believe this declaration of a blessing and the Lord will confirm it in our lives. May the, Lord, may the joy of the Lord be your strength. May the delight of heaven fill your heart, your household, your marriage and your life. May the joy of the Holy Spirit overshadow your life. May the contagious joy of Christ overflow in your lives and towards those who come in contact with you. May people begin to sense and see the joy of heaven in your life. May the joy of God that cannot be uh, affected by circumstances fill your heart. In the name of Jesus, I declare this blessing over your lives. Amen. As we continue our series this week, Joy Comes in the Morning, I have the pleasure of speaking this morning about sacrificial joy. Our verse for today is from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, from verses 12 to 18. The verse reads in the New King James Version. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or levered in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you, for, rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Before we unpack these verses, let me say some things about what sacrificial joy really means. So in the popular culture that we live in today, there is a tendency to associate joy with many things but sacrifice. We often focus on, on the joy that comes the easy way. As a child, it's mostly common that we all derive joy from receiving, but not from giving. However, when we've matured, we've come to realize that there is much more happiness, much more joy in giving than in receiving. And it is the same when it comes to our spiritual life as well. When we mature in Christ, when we mature in our Christian walk, we will begin to live a sacrificial life that will bring joy into our lives. It is therefore important to note that the greatest of joys often is often that which is born out of sacrifices. What is a sacrificial joy then? It's a joy 
that comes as a result of sacrificial living. When you live a sacrificial life, your motivation will not be to reach the end line and get joy. Your motivation will always be obedience. The nature of a sacrificial living is such that none of us wake up and make up our minds to live a sacrificial life any given day. Rather, we are often called into a sacrificial living. This calling or, prompt, or prompting usually comes from God himself, who challenges us to live beyond our, ourselves and who challenges us to live beyond our circle. You may see a gap in someone else's life, and the Holy Spirit prompts you to step in and, and fill that gap. You may see someone struggling in their relationships, in their study, financially or emotionally, and the Holy Spirit prompts you to step in and help. You may not even have enough for yourself. Just like that widow woman in the Bible who did not have enough to share with the prophet Elijah. But that didn't matter. Because the El Shaddai God, the all-sufficient God, is calling on you to live a sacrificial life. And when you step out in obedience, then you are in for a surprise. The joy in sacrificial living is therefore the inevitable consequence of your obedience. When you obey that sacrificial uh, uh, command that God has placed in your heart, that prompting of the Holy Spirit, then as a result of your obedience, joy will come into your life. The end is, not, the end is your obedience. The end of a sacrificial living is your obedience and your obedience will bring forth with it the joy of heaven. Now, here are three powerful demonstrations of this relationship between a sacrificial life and joy. In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 21, the Bible declares, A woman, when she is in labor, hath sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. As soon as a mother holds her baby in her arms, all the pain that she just went through will no longer be remembered. The joy of holding her baby overrides all memory of pain. Out of her greatest pain comes out the greatest of joys. It is a sacrifice to give birth to a child. None of us have, have heard any mother who has enjoyed the labor of a childbirth. That hasn't happened yet. But enduring through that moment of sacrifice leads the mother to a great joy. Here is another instance where we see joy accompanying sacrifice. When you read the book of Acts, you often see how the apostles are going out and about ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ in the villages, in the cities, before the synagogues, before kings and rulers, and they frequently run into trouble for preaching the gospel out in the open and for bringing people into Christ. But these challenges that they faced from the authorities, from those who opposed them, never brought them under. Instead, they faced these challenges with great joy. In the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 14 to 41, 
the Bible says in, in the Passion Translation. So they brought the apostles back in and had them severely beaten. They ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go. The apostles left their rejoicing, thrilled that God had considered them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. This is really amazing. They were just severely beaten and whipped. And when you expect to see them sad and depressed and, and, and down under, you find them rejoicing. You could imagine how that, that guy who just whipped them would be feeling when he sees them rejoicing and he has been there uh, sweating and whipping them and, and, and beating them. And then they go out and he sees them smiling and rejoicing and that they are thrilled that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. This, nothing explains it. This is a heavenly joy that is born out of a life of obedience to Christ. The last example that, that I want to bring to our attention this morning is the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, from verse 1 to 2, we read another example of how joy could be born out of sacrifice. The verse reads, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the rest that is set before us, looking unto Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This verse tells us that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And this joy that was set before him was the joy of obeying his Father. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, in that day when Jesus' heart was so sad and he was, he was pleading and praying before God that if there is any way that, this, that he could be spared from having to make this sacrifice, that he would prefer that. But then he goes on to say, let it be your will and not mine that is going to be done. And there Jesus surrendered himself to the will of the Father and he fully obeyed his Father and for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And having done and accomplished that work, the Bible declares he has now sat at the right hand of the throne of God. So it, back, going back to the scripture in the book of Philippians that we just read at the start, here Paul is encouraging the people at Philippi to whom he had already, already preached the gospel to work out their salvation in fear and in trembling. These people have already believed, they have already accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, they have already received the gospel of salvation that was preached unto them. So here is Paul encouraging them to now align their lives with the culture of the kingdom of God which they have received. They used to live in a certain way, but now the gospel has come into their life and transformed them and there is another culture that they need to adopt 
in their own life. So he is encouraging them to align their lives with the new culture of the kingdom of God. So the question is, how do they do that? Well, Paul goes on to tell them to continue in obedience. Paul had witnessed their obedience while he was there with them. Now that he is in prison, when he wrote the book of Philippians, and he's no longer with them, so he encourages them to continue that life of obedience which he had been a witness to while he was there with them. Remember that last week Pam spoke about the obedience of Jesus himself, who made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a bondservant. So after highlighting the obedience of Christ and, and encouraging them to imitate that, he continues and exhorts them to continue that life of obedience. So the next question then is, obedience to what? So if you take a look at verse 13, Paul goes on to say that it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. The obedience is therefore to that which God has placed in your heart. God places the will inside of you and he provides the grace to do that which he has already placed in you. So Paul's ultimate desire for these people, for the people to whom he has preached the gospel, is to see them finish the rest that they have, uh, that they have started with belief, in, with belief in Christ. And to see that happen, and if need be, Paul says that he himself is ready to be poured out as a sacrifice drink offering in the service of their faith. Church Paul's life, especially after his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, was full of sacrificial living. All his life while ministering the gospel, going about from place to place, from country to country, witnessing the gospel before the the synagogues and before the Greeks and the Jews and the Gentiles and before kings and rulers, he has been facing many challenges and troubles all his life. But God worked in him and God gave him all the grace to endure that. In fact, Jesus said in, in the book of Acts 9 verse 15 that Paul was a chosen vessel to bear Christ's name before the Gentiles, before kings and before the children of Israel and that he was going to suffer for his name's sake. So Paul accordingly endured many troubles until he himself was martyred for the gospel's sake. None of the people that we saw in the example above this morning managed to live a sacrificial living on their own. But God worked in them all both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Let us therefore practice in our daily lives to figure out the will of God for each day. Then let us determine to obey his, own, his voice and, and prompting no matter what that may require of us. Now, after all, it's a joy in itself when you think about that, when you think about it that God thinks of using us, that God thinks of using you and I to reach out to the world around us. That in and of itself is a joy. God bless you all and have a joyful weekend, have a joyful week, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>